Hey, and welcome to What's the Tea, the TransLink podcast. I'm your host, John Jang. Here's what we've got for the final episode of season two. Just a small town girl, living in a lonely world. She took the midnight train going We're hopping on board the West Coast Express. Let's tap in to What's the Tea. The next station is... Welcome to What's the Tea, the TransLink podcast. Prior to November of 1995, travel between downtown Vancouver and the Fraser Valley usually meant having to get in your car and make the drive down Highway 1. But as more and more residents began to populate Metro Vancouver, the time it took to complete this journey began to increase, and this presented multiple challenges. For the average commuter, it meant having to spend several more hours every single day just to get to and from work, school, appointments, or social events. And for everyone else, it simply meant more congestion on the roads, leading to longer waits and traffic and spreading more pollutants into the air. A solution was needed, a mode of public transportation that could effectively shuttle the city office workers to and from their suburban neighborhoods, westbound in the morning and eastbound in the afternoon. That solution is what we call the West Coast Express. The West Coast Express provides service from downtown Vancouver at Waterfront Station to the municipalities of Port Moody, Coquitlam, Port Coquitlam, Pitt Meadows, Maple Ridge, and Mission. For the past 28 years, residents of these communities have been able to rely on the dependable heavy rail service, knowing there's an easy way to get downtown and back home with some spectacular views to boot. Producer Alan and I visited the West Coast Express office at Waterfront Station to meet with Todd Wallace, the senior manager at West Coast Express, and Steve Sylvester, manager of rail assets and contracts. The first question to Todd was a simple one. How would you describe the West Coast Express to someone who might be visiting from out of town? Uh, the train itself, well, it's a heavy rail commuter operation. We run you know, peak service for commuters in and out of Vancouver, coming out of the Fraser Valley. You know, five days a week, Monday to Friday. It's uh, it's a great relaxing way to get people out of their cars and to get into Vancouver. Mm. You know, through the Tri Cities, right out of the, you know, like I said, out of the Fraser Valley. You know, so it's really good for people like me that live in Abbotsford. <laughs> you know, so I use it all the time. And sorry, when you say heavy rail, what is that as opposed to something that might be considered light rail? Well, I always thought heavy rail was because of the size of the equipment. <laughs> and, Makes Steve, sense. and Steve can speak to the tonnages. Sure. You know, but it turns out, uh, a little research turns out that it's actually the capacity oh. of our cars. So our car capacity, seating capacity alone per coach is around the 150 mark. Mm. And I don't think SkyTrain has that kind of seating capacity on either any one of their coaches. So it'd be heavy rail, light rail capacity. And Steve can probably speak a little further to yeah. some of that. That's a fun fact. So I didn't know that. So I'm glad we actually got that on the record because I think that's something that more people should know. I actually would have thought it had something to do with the weight. But Steve, like onto like w- when it comes down to it, um, the West Coast Express is a big train, right? So uh, maybe you could take us into what it's like um, maintaining the West Coast Express because um, you know neither Alan and I, producer Alan and I, we don't we don't do a lot of maintenance work. I'm not a handyman by any means. So for me, when I'm doing trying to fix things at home. It's a, it's a reactionary thing. Like, oh, my cabinet's broken. Now I got to Google, how do I 
sure. fix a cabinet. But um, a lot of the maintenance work, most of the time, it's like preventative measures. So like, what what is that like? Because I'm sure there's a lot of wear and tear as the train goes back and forth each day. Sure, of course. And many of our cars since have been here since the beginning, since 1995. And uh, they they do require a lot of work to, to keep them moving. Um, so as the manager of real assets, I own the maintenance program. So all the activities and the planning that, that go- comes together uh, is, is my responsibility. We contract out that responsibility to actually do the work to Via Rail. And they perform that work at a, at a few locations. So Mission and Waterfront Station, where it stays during the afternoon, and then Pacific Central Station, which is Via Rail's heavy maintenance center at Main and Terminal. Now, on a daily basis, there are regulatory and safety items that we need to to take care of to ensure that the train is clean and safe. And we take care of that mostly at Mission and Waterfront. But anytime we need to do heavy maintenance, uh, a car needs to be moved over to Via Rail at Pacific Central, whether it's for projects or wheel changeouts, any of those items that requires a pit jack or a drop table, all the heavy duty machinery is at Pacific Central Station at Via Rail's facility. I see. So it's uh, a lot of coordinating, I would assume, right? The three locations, the two mission and waterfront, more for like, I don't want to say minor, but more for like everyday things. And then the heavy duty stuff at Pacific Central. Pacific Central, though, it's like, if I'm not mistaken, that's where the Amtrak goes. The the, Cas- the Cascadia, I believe it is. Yeah, or something. Am- Amtrak that runs up to Seattle and Portland uh, docks in there every every day and night. And, uh, you know, I think the uniqueness of the operation at West Coast Express is that we do need to move our equipment over to Via Rail in order to affect, you know, larger repairs or, or do the projects, right? So we need to get you know, permission from CPKC in order to to make a special train in order to get across. Todd, like I, I just wanted to shift back over to you. Like I, like I said, I wanted to ask you this question. How, how did you? How did young Todd um, want to get involved in in this as a career? Because as you say, you've been in it for a few decades. So clearly, this wasn't just some sort of happy accident. It was okay. <laughs> it was. That's a I, I was moment. Not long out of high school, and I got laid off, and my stepdad said, why don't you come down? He was a, he worked for CP Rail in oh, okay. Coquitlam. So right. back then it was, wasn't anything, it was who you knew. Mm. So he brought me down to the building I'm sitting in right now, right upstairs. Wonderful. Human Resources yeah. is where I applied. Amazing. And uh, they hired me. We had, you know, train crews were four people. Mm. We had an engineer, head end brakeman, tail end brakeman, and a conductor, right? Actually, by the time I got there, the tail end brakeman was mostly gone. Mm. But uh, we still had, you know, lots of people on the ground. Now they're down to two people. Now they're down to an engineer and a conductor. So there a lot of changes over the years. But I started off as a trainman and then moved as promoted two years later as a conductor. And then a year or so after that, started training and qualified as a locomotive engineer. That's what I've been Amazing. qualified ever since. Yeah. You know, there's the bureaucratic aspect of it, but there's also... The real operating ends, there's the conduct train crews, mm-hmm. the operating crews, locomotive engineers, conductors, you know, there's engineering, you know, they look after all the track infrastructure, signals, bridges, all of that stuff. 
And then there's the mechanical portion that, you know, that Steve would have come out of at Via Rail. I mean, they have that too. They got Carmen, they got locomotive people, they got welders, they got, you know, it's a, it's a pretty complex, there's a lot of things going on yeah. in the railway industry, right? That being said, West Coast Express is one of the most like reliable, um, like performers in the, in the transling sort of system of, uh, transportation here in Metro Vancouver. And I'm sure you take a lot of pride in, in that number because it's, uh, I mean, you probably know the number better than I do when it comes to like just reliability and performance rate. Yeah. We're, uh, our customer service satisfaction scores are always up in the high eighties, low nineties, mid nineties. Our on-time performance is around 96%, yeah. which isn't bad when you consider we don't own the track. Right. We only license the opportunity to operate during a certain window and it's not an exclusive right. Yeah. CP can, CPKC can run trains in and out of there and they do, you know, it's, you know, their operation is pretty important to the, you know, to the country. Right. Right. Just as CN is another class one railway. So, you know, for us to be able to maintain that and, you know, get that, even that kind of performance out of CPKCs is pretty good. And, and I think that's the answer to when people are asking, you know, why can't West Coast Express run all day? It's because that rail is prioritized for CP and CP is the economy. Like that's kind of what it comes down to. It, I, that's a factor of it. There's a lot, I think there's a lot of factors in play. I think for what people need, I mean, we are a commuter operation. It was always designed that way yeah. is my understanding. My understanding is it was designed to be just commuter peak period, get people out of the Fraser Valley, get, you know, try to help people get out of their cars, give them a stress-free way to get in and out of Vancouver through the Tri-Cities. You know, I mean, I'd, I'd like it personally because I had to take family into Vancouver or take them into Surrey or something, right? Yeah. And I get on the freeway and there's a 275 car pile up at 248th Street or a car on its roof at 264th, then you're sitting there. Yeah. And you're sitting there and it took, took me an hour to go two miles. Todd, when I, when I talk to people who like do take West Coast Express regularly or uh, did before, like one of the words that keeps coming back to me is like, there's a sense of like familiarity, like community, because when you take the bus every day or you take the SkyTrain every day, um, you're never in the same seat. I mean, you're usually not, or maybe you get lucky and you happen to get the same spot every time. But for most others, it's like, okay, I'm going to stand over here today or, oh, it's too busy. So now I got to stand all the way in the back or I got to wait for the next train, whatever it might be. West Coast Express, it's scheduled. And it seems like there's some like consistency with where you sit, the people that you sit next to. You might not have conversations with these people, but it's kind of, you know, the same groups all the time, right? Yeah, absolutely it is. And then that's one of the neat things about our, our service, you know, because it, with the schedule that it has and the people are coming to work, our passengers, our customers, commuters are coming to work at their specific time every day, day after day. And yeah, they get their seat, you know, they want their seat and, and, you know, they get to know the people around them. They get friendships start to develop, right? Relationships develop, right? right. You know, a whole lot of things happen within that, you know, you get a real community there. We'll take a quick break and learn more about the West Coast Express, including some of the most common reasons for service delays. You're listening to What's the Tea, the Translink Podcast. Welcome back to What's the Tea, the Translink Podcast, in conversation with Todd Wallace and Steve Sylvester from the West Coast Express, talking more about the unique community of commuters who ride the West Coast Express every single day. The teams that are involved in maintaining the West Coast Express, like I'm sure there's a community feel as, to that as well, because it's not just the, the the team that works directly for you, but you work with CP and you work with Via Rail. You work with all these teams. I'm sure there's a lot of familiarity that is really a big part of the job. Yeah, and they 
you know, everything that happens, they need to have solid communication. Obviously, the Alstom crews that are running the trains need to communicate with Via Rail when they're what they're experiencing on the road. Uh, Via Rail as well when they're when they're dealing with troubleshooting, they need to communicate all the time. Anytime we do a special train or any move, there's communication with with CPKC. So it's obviously a very complex operation, and you wouldn't be able to do it without uh, them having a great relationship over many years. And uh, I think that's a key to to our success. Yeah, and of course, another like uh, beaming review of the West Coast Express is the views. I mean. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to beat when you're just running along the broad inlet like that, even going through the Tri-City and the Valley, if you've never really been to those parts before, it's, uh, it's really quite spectacular. So again, one of those things I would highly recommend to anyone listening, if you've never taken the West Coast Express, you can go for it. You, uh, you, you might find that you really love it. Actually, Steve, you mentioned this, you, you mentioned like how passionate you were to one day work on West Coast Express. What is it about the West Coast Express that made it so unique for you? Like what, what was it about that particular train and this job? that really made you want to do this? It was, for me, it was a more human way to travel, right? Like this commuter rail, if you look at the equipment itself, like the the cars, you've got comfortable seats. You've got a table to work off of. You've got a place to plug in your electronics. You have a washroom. They're a bi-level car with these, you know, huge windows. And if you look at like the stretch of track, like that 67 kilometers, as, as you had said, I mean, you're looking at Mount Baker, you're doing your morning commute and the sun comes up over the Golden Years Mountains and you're just also steps away from the ocean along the Burrard Inlet. Like it's hard not to become passionate about this business. And if you can play a small role in maintaining it and ensuring that it's reliable for your people so that your customers you know, can make that decision to choose our equipment and choose public transit over, you know, getting in their car. I mean, that's a very rewarding job. Fair. Yeah. And that's a lovely answer. So thank you for that. And Todd, like over to you, you're, you're the grizzled veteran too. And I'm sure you've, you still have those feelings that, that Steve is sort of talking about because that, that magic probably doesn't fade away even over time. Well, railways themselves get in your blood. You know, that's why we have so many railway fans out there. So, you know, you, you Google our, our equipment on, you know, you Google West Coast Express mm-hmm. and on YouTube and stuff, and there's pictures everywhere. Facebook is full of them, you know, so it does get in and it, as an employee, especially as an operating employee. And, you know, I can't, I can only speak from my own experience. It does get in your blood, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you really like everything about rail. You'll, I love running a train, right? I haven't done it on these ones, except when we got our, you know, our 907 put in service, it's the first one I've run and first one of ours I've run, mm. but operating a train, you know, for myself, there's nothing like it. My dad was a pilot for him flying a plane. There's nothing like it in the world, mm. right? For me driving a train, there's nothing like it in the world. Or my grandfather on the boats, it was nothing like being a captain of a, of a ship, right? You know, so it, those types of things that get in your blood. Sounds like you have a very rich, like transportation family bloodline there. I do. My grandmother worked for, on the crew, on the CP rail okay. cruise ship yeah. way back in the days during the war. <laughs> My grandfather went deep sea when he was 13 years old out of Norway and went through the Canadian Navy and, you know, finally retired at 67 years old mm. from the ocean. So he spent 64 years on the, or 54 years on the water. Amazing. Yeah. And my dad, my one dad was a pilot for 
Canadian Pacific. He'd come out of the Air Force and out of Bush Pilots in Northern uh, Ontario. Yeah. And then my other stepdad, you know, got me started on the railway. So yeah, we've got a, plus well, out of my class one, I did drive truck for a while. There you go. Okay. A little bit of everything. Planes, trains, and automobiles. <laughs> Honestly, quite literally. But but it, it's a blast. The railways are pretty cool. Yeah. They are really neat, especially if you start digging into the various aspects, right? Well, I mean, you could draw up a map. You can go from Vancouver to the other side of the continent just with, with rail. I mean, mm -hmm. like it would be a very expensive trip for you and it would take a little bit of time, but you can you can do that. Like that's a feasible thing. And I think, um, you know, it, with how big North America really is, that's that's still a very neat fact. Um, I am wondering too, because like when it comes down to how West Coast Express operates, uh, Todd, like there are certain certain times, there are delays. Like what are the most common delays that happen? And, and maybe you can explain why they seem to happen. Uh, probably the... Most common one, or the greater percentage of them, are, are caused by freight operation. Mm. You know, I mean, you know, you're trying to move, you're moving a lot of traffic in and out of the port of Vancouver. You know, Steve mentioned that the busiest port in Canada. There's one track in, there's one track out. So everything that comes in, it's a cul-de-sac. Yeah, okay. It's the end of the line, right? So everything that comes in, all the consumer goods, every, you know, all the goods that are critical, food, stuffs, and everything else that are critical to the infrastructure and the economy of this country, you know, they all come, all comes through the port of Vancouver. Mm -hmm. So you get a lot of freight operations out there, you know, and then there's other things too. You got the right of way, you got infrastructure, you know, you're subject to the weather, mm -hmm. you know, bringing down slides, you know, bringing down, you know, track washouts and things, you know, of that nature, you know, so in any hiccup in any of those little moving parts that make up a railway operation, any hiccup at all. And it just cascades to everything else. Right. You know, you get a freight train out there. It's fine. Not a problem. And gets picked up for a defect. They got defect detectors along the track, right? You know, try to prevent what happened in Norfolk Southern down in Idaho. Sure. Right. I understand. So it picks up a defect. Now that train's got to stop. They have to inspect it, you know, and make sure what the defect is and if it's safe to travel and if it's not. And all that takes time. Even just that inspection takes time. Right. You know, or you get a fire on the right of way and the fire department shuts the line down because they got to run a hose across it. Mm -hmm. You don't know how long that's going to take. All those things, one thing happens here, it affects, you know, for hours and affects everything else around. Now everything bunches, mm -hmm. you know, into that scene or close by. Now you, now they've got to try to figure out how to get everybody moving again and try to minimize, you know, the effect. You know, we've got, Pretty open, and Steve alluded to, you know, good relationships. You know, lots of communication with CBKC. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, even a lot of those delays, you know, they might have been, and some of them we actually honestly plan, we're canceling that train. Mm. And we get into that conversation, and it's a half-hour delay, as opposed to canceling it and sending everyone by bus. So some of them we even actually get it mitigated quickly, and there is no delay. Mm. So, you know, we keep working on that collaboration and those relationships. So, you know, you know, I'd, I'd like to see it better personally. Sure. Cause I feel the frustration. I ride the train, like I said, every day, Yeah, you know, that's my main source of commuting in and out of work. So, you know, I feel the frustration and, and, uh, I hear it Yeah, because I get to know the people on the train too. That's fair. And, you know, they're not just vocally, you know, writing in complaints right i'm getting it vocally from oh yeah they'll, they'll just come straight up to you well, what's going on well the train crews will get it first fair. generally right? right but 
I get to know enough people on the train that I'll get it to. Fair. And, um, you know, I think what I'm hearing from you is that uh, still like the number one priority has to be safety. Like yes. you can't make assumptions and say, oh, that's not a problem. We're just going to keep running the train. Like, no, there's, I'm sure regulations making sure that can never happen. It's about customer safety, crew safety, yeah. public safety. Um, and at the end of the day, I think if people understand that it's, uh, you know, it's, they, I think they get it. I think yeah. they understand. Yeah. And a lot of that is like that, you know, we get, and it seems like a small thing. You get a burned out signal. Sure. Just the bulb is burned out. There's a whole set of rules around that, that we have to mm -hmm. operate by. So yeah, we get permission to go by that signal, but then we can't exceed 15 miles an hour until we get to the next signal, which is, could be two miles down the track. Fair. Things like that. Right. So all these things kind of add up a little bit. They got slide fences along the right of way. So if a tree comes down or the, you basically build up the bank, comes down and washes out the track, mm. but they're very sensitive and they're, and they should be. Now, is there anything else that you gentlemen wish like the public and the listeners knew when it comes down to like how the West Coast Express operates, um, little, little fun, little fun facts or anything that you think that people should just know more about when it comes to how this thing really works. I think the one thing I really want to pass along to the listeners is how complex the operations really are. And I think a good example of this is about two months ago, uh, we wanted to bring a locomotive from Pacific Central Station in Vancouver out to mission in order to protect service. In other operations, you know, you just make that decision and within your organization, you just get it done. For us, we need to get special permission from CPKC to part ways to move the track, clear it open for us to, to go through. I need to wake up an Alstom crew at 2 a.m. and they've got to get that together to get downtown Vancouver in order to drive that locomotive to mission. And I need to discuss that with Via Rail as well. They've got to make that train safe and ready for, for travel. So you're asking a lot out of all these different operating companies, and it just wouldn't happen if they weren't all passionate about the West Coast Express, this business, and protecting the customer service. You know, it's amazing how many people I run into, like out in the valley and stuff, and they ask what I do, and I tell them what I do and who I work for. And they all ask me, what's that? It's amazing how many people don't even know that we exist. And, you know, especially from in the Valley, right? You know, it's, uh, you know, it'd be a real great stress-free way of just, you know, getting out of the car, getting out of that bumper to bumper on the highway and sit back and relax and, you know, and get into town. For over 28 years, the West Coast Express has dutifully served the residents all across Metro Vancouver and the Fraser Valley. The 75-minute ride on a one-way trip is a comfortable one, with cozy seats, outlets to charge your electronic devices, dedicated washrooms in each car, and of course, unbelievable views offering up the very best sights that this region has to offer. But as more residents continue to move into Metro Vancouver, commuters will know there's always going to be a reliable way to get to work and get back home with no driving required. My thanks to Todd Wallace, Steve Sylvester, and the entire West Coast Express team and contractors for the work they do every single day to maintain this important service, producer Alan for being the engineer of this podcast, I guess I'm the conductor, and of course, you for listening and subscribing. My name is John Jang, and until next time, have a safe trip.
Coast Mountain Bus Company is hiring bus drivers. As one of BC's top employers, they offer many perks, including paid training and exceptional benefits. Apply by May 22nd at translink.ca slash drive.